Let's all sing Pop Goes the Weasel. We should start our podcast all like this. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time. Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Man, I'm enjoying the spring-like weather oh, that we are experiencing right now. So and, nice. And this winning streak from my Indians. Oh, my, okay. my Windians. Okay. You know what else is great? Put me in a good mood. I heard Brick House on the way here. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's like things are all coming together. Coming together. Rumor has it you also may have snagged a Trappist glass yes, today. Yes, I did. Well, well, that's a story for another Thanks time. Thanks looking up. <laughs> so together on this show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. What do we have today? Well, this is a song called Pop Goes the Weasel from Third Base. Let's hop in the DeLorean and find out what track was sampled to produce this hit. Rewind. can't help but to move on this one. Look at you, you're two-stepping again. I like it. Got my horns going. <laughs> We're synthesizer. It's all good. You could have a steam train. Just this video is amazing, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I, I haven't seen the video. No? Mm-mm. It's epic. Is it? Well, in its epicness, yeah. Joe, can you please tell the good people what we are listening Absolutely. to now? Absolutely. This is the one, the only, Pierre Gabriel and his hit Sledgehammer from his So album. So before we get into how popular this song was, how many albums he sold, all the awards he won, I feel like we, we kind of have to go back to the beginning here. So what you're telling me is that we can't get into the New Testament we first got to discuss, like, Genesis? Oh, well, that's that's nice. I you like that. that. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> let's go back even before that. You're talking Big Bang then, right? No, okay. Wrong, no, wrong direction. Okay. Let's take a minute and okay. let's talk about his career, how it got started. Peter Gabriel was born in England on February 3rd, 1950. And although his mom taught him how to play the piano at an early age, he later played drums for some of the first rock bands that he played for. He attended a boarding school named Charterhouse. Charterhouse, not like Slaughterhouse 5. That's a whole different kind of school. (laughs) Totally different. Totally different house. Wrong address. That's next door. So Charterhouse, and in 1967, he formed a band called Genesis with his schoolmates, Tony Banks, Anthony Phillips, Mike Rutherford, and drummer Chris Stewart. Now, Gabriel was the lead singer, and in 1969, the band released their first album called From Genesis to Revelation. So let's take a listen. See what they did there. You see that? You like that? Yeah. You like that? You know, there was a guy that was trying to try it out for the band. His name was Moses. He didn't quite make it. (laughs) He didn't make the cut. He didn't make the cut. (laughs) So let's listen to one of the songs from that album called "In the Beginning." Ocean of motion. Definitely got that late '60s vibe. Definitely. Yes. 
So Peter definitely has a distinctive vocal style. It has elements similar to Roger Chapman, the lead singer from another English band that nobody's ever heard of called Family. <laughs> so let's take a listen to a track from Family called My Friend the Sun and see if the listeners agree. Well, I know that you're waiting. Like, if I didn't tell you, if I told you this is Peter Gabriel, I think you would believe it. I would it. believe it. Yeah. I wish I was friends with the sun. <laughs> Especially in December. Yeah, we're clearly not around these parts because we only get it about half the year. So true. So obviously you can hear the similarities in vocal style and tone. And they, I think they also do a, both do a nice job of doubling up vocal parts with some subtle nuance. Not harmonizing per se, but adding color and texture by singing a vocal multiple times. Tobe, you're a man with golden pipes, and you've spent more than a little time in the studio, so give me your thoughts on this. Well, I can tell you this. It's not an easy thing to do, that the whole doubling up of, of the vocals, especially when you're trying to match pitch and timbre. Now, when doubling a track is done right, the result is awesome. All right, it sounds really good. It gives the engineer an expanded sonic palette and the ability to really expand and mix, you know? Makes it sound awesome. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. And while it's a technique that Peter Gabriel employs, it's not unique to any one genre. I, I know, let's hear how Tupac doubles his vocals in All Eyes on Me. You can hear it kind of spread the mix a little bit. I remember listening to this album and thinking like, wow, he did that for a lot of the tracks. Yeah. And then I remember a lot of MCs after that time were trying to emulate this style, yep. right, following up with it. So, so great song, interesting peek behind the production curtain. You know, now let's just get back to Genesis, right? Let's, let's, let's continue that discussion. You got it. Well, unfortunately, none of the singles from their first album did very well. Sad. But they did get signed to Charisma Records. They soldiered on to release their second album, Trespass, in 1970. And as time passed, some of the members of the original group were replaced. Yeah, so the new members were none other than lead guitarist Steve Hackett and drummer Phil Collins. You might have heard of them. Yeah, I think I've heard those names. Well, with the release of their 1972 album, Foxtrot, Peter Gabriel began to develop a reputation for wearing outlandish costumes on stage, including, you know, his wife's red dress and... Uh, Fox head mask. That's a, so that's so you're saying that was his wife's mask and dress? Or just that was well, his That's wife? a great question. Right. <laughs> huh. Listeners, let us know. What is in the closet there at, their, at the Gabriel I don't want to know if it's right. like that. I don't want to know. So the idea was suggested by Charisma's booking agent. And the first time Peter came out with one of these outfits, it was a complete surprise to the band. It did garner Genesis' attention and publicity. Early on, a lot of people complained that his lyrics couldn't be understood due to a poor PA system. Man. Plus, plus they're esoteric, so it's, it doesn't help. Right, right. <laughs> what so is he it, saying? At, at first, it was a bad PA system. Then they could, then they could really hear. It's like we still don't we understand. We still don't get it. We yeah. still don't get it. So the outfits were also just an innovative way for Peter to further express himself on the songs. So it worked. It worked. Their fifth album, Selling England by the Pound, was released in 1973. The single, I Know What I Like, in your wardrobe, charted to the top 30 in the UK. Let's take a listen. This is my jam right here. I love this song. <laughs> it's got a nice pop hook to it. I like it. Do you hear that doubling? 
So I thought long and hard about this song and like the possibilities of of what we could do in the new area that we could conquer. Are we exploring? We are exploring. I'm thinking, buddy, that we can create our an entire language or slang. Really? You know, yes, yes. It's like, we, is this an official intro into the, like something new in the riffs uh, canon here? Yes, yes, sir. In in one word, yes, okay. indubitably. So we can now. <laughs> That's your word, indu- <laughs> indubitably. <laughs> indubitably, yes, Excellent. absolutely. Keep going. So uh, we can now have a slang called riffish, where we only communicate through song lyrics, Ooh. and this song could be a perfect rebuttal after wifey gets on me for wearing the shirt that she doesn't like. Does, Look, does this happen I a know lot what in I the like. Right. <laughs> I know what I like, all right? Don't you worry about that. Well, okay. First of all, I like riffish. I tend to think in song lyrics anyway, so this is good. But we're going to stop here because I think you've already put one foot into the doghouse, and we, we want to go full full bore in there. You, so you, you're damn, let's you're right. just bring it back. <laughs> you're, you're what, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> let's bring it back to Peter Gabriel's career, please. Good call, partner. Gabriel left Genesis after the release of the sixth album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Now, if that ain't a title... Uh, if that's that's definitely the one that I would leave on. Okay, if you let, like after hearing that title, okay, I'm gone after this. I one. don't know this what it means, it. but I like it. So the double album was released in 1974, and Gabriel departed in 1975. Yep, and the rest of the band searched for another lead singer, but eventually made the decision to hire from within. Right, promote from within, Tobe. That's that's the good corporate way. Absolutely. And in this case, they didn't let the butler do it; they let the drummer do it. <laughs> the aforementioned Phil Collins. Peter Gabriel was now free to pursue his own musical vision, and his first single off his 1976 self-titled debut album was called Salisbury Hill. It reached the top 20 on the UK charts and reached number 68 on the Billboard Hot 100. And let's take a listen to that. I have to say, I can't believe this didn't chart higher. Man, it's such it's a good song, an iconic song. I honestly think it could work today. Honestly, for I sure. Think with, I think it could work. It's timeless. So another interesting factoid: Peter Gabriel's first four solo albums are actually just self-titled. Many fans specify the album name by the art on the cover. Peter Gabriel's fourth album, sometimes referred to as Security, was almost completely recorded digitally and was one of the first to do so, which is an especially challenging feat in 1982. Wow. It utilized the Fairlight CMI, an early digital workstation and sampling machine. Now, that that is really cool. I mean, that that is, that's awesome. When I researched 1982, that, man. 82, man. That's crazy. The entire album, the first, one of the first albums, if not the first album, to completely be recorded Digital. digitally. That's, that's sick. He's a pioneer. One of the hit songs from that album is Shock the Monkey. Now, this song reached number one, and it's definitely one that is hard to forget. Peter has said the song is sort of a love song that deals with base human instincts like jealousy. Let's take a listen to Shock the Monkey. Let's listen to it. Yeah! Yeah! Shock the Monkey! Do some bad 80s dancing in here. You got it down, buddy. <laughs> you, got it, you got it down. So, Peter Gabriel's fifth album, So, 
took three years of recording, three years, and production was released in 1985. It was one of his most popular albums. It went five times platinum, includes several hit singles, including Big Time, Don't Give Up, Red Rain. Let's not forget In Your Eyes. <sighs> that, I mean, come on now. You can't forget that. No. That was a featured in the classic romantic comedy, Say Anything. Let's take a listen to that. So I love this song, and I'm sure a lot of folks are actually picturing John Cusick in a boombox right now. But I also have to say, we are not doing—we don't have enough time in this show to do justice to Peter Gabriel, but we're trying to do what we can, people. Just bear with us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other big hit from the Soul album is our feature track, Sledgehammer. Now, this song reached number one on the U.S. Billboard charts, and in doing so, knocked off a song called Invisible Touch. Now, this is a song by— You going to give me a guess? Sure. You get one guess. Go ahead. I can see it in your face. You, Mar- you really want to do this. I, I'm like shell-shocked right now. <laughs> I, I'm frozen. I'm deer in headlights. I don't have an answer. Please just tell me. Genesis. Oh, I see. Okay. It kind of goes back full circle. Oh, full circle, man. That is awesome. Well, Sledgehammer won nine MTV awards, and Rolling Stone has so ranked at number 14 on the list of the top 100 albums made in the 80s. Now, Peter Gabriel was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Genesis in 2010, and then again as a solo artist in 2014. And just think about how many artists can actually boast that claim. Peter Gabriel has a ton of talent, and that can't be denied. That is true. So for our second featured track, Pop Goes the Weasel, let's hear how Third Bass took Sledgehammer and turned it into a hit of their own. Tobe, I have to tell you, this was one of my jams back in the day. Was it? In large part because I actually love all of the songs that it samples. Okay. But before we get into all of that, tell me a little bit more about Third Base. Sure. So Third Base was a hip-hop trio that rose to prominence in the late 80s and early 90s. It was one of the first successful interracial hip-hop groups. It consisted of members MC Search, Prime Minister Pete Nice, and DJ Richie Rich. They were originally called Three the Hard Way before changing their name to Third Base, and I have to think that Pete Nice had something to do with the name change. Why do you think that? Well, he was a lifelong baseball historian. Pete is one of the most prolific sources of rare baseball memorabilia, especially the early stuff in the 19th century. Even though bass is referencing the low-frequency spectrum in the band name, I have to think the double entendre was a reference to his other passion. So one thing I know about baseball, if you're a pitcher, you never want to be a gas can. No. You know, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because if you, you're coming out of the bullpen and the ball starts leaving you the yard, it's the bad. fans are going to give you the gas face. The gas face? Yeah, the gas face. You know, that the scrunched up face, like you something doesn't smell right, you know, flatulation oh, you know, comes to mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is, again, one of those times I'm glad we're recording in separate rooms, you know, just in case. Right, right, word well, up. The gas face is also the name of the best charting single off of the third base debut, the Cactus album. Let's give it a listen. Let's do it. MC Search. Black cat is bad luck. Bad guys with black. Must have been a white guy who started all that. Make the gas face. For those little white lies, my expression to the mountainous blue eyes dip for my face and shake my skull cap. Dismiss the myth that evil is not black but opposite spectrum. This done by red man with horns on his head. Lay 
So the video for The Gas Face has cameos from Gilbert Gottfried, Flavor Flav, Salt and Pepper, Eric Sermon of EPMD. Nice. I mean, the song itself takes on racism, shady music execs, and artists that members of Third Base deem to be inauthentic hip-hop, like MC Hammer. Mm. Yeah. Well, these would become common themes for Third Base. The Cactus album went gold and reached number five on the Billboard hip-hop and R&B charts. It's also ranked in the top 10 of the Source's best albums by white rappers, which is interesting because, again, not all members of Third Base are white. Right. So, Tobe, this is a music show. We keep the social and political commentary to a minimum, but Third Base certainly took swipes at what they perceived to be misappropriation of hip-hop by record companies, by artists like Vanilla Ice in order to appeal to a, I don't know, like a mainstream suburban audience. Right. Well, that's certainly on full display in the lyrics and in the video of our second feature track, Pop Goes the Weasel. Let's give a listen to some of the bars that specifically demonstrate that. Getting paid pedal sneakers and soda pop, 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 pop goes the weasel and drawers drop, 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 drop. Why not take your top ten pop hit? Fix the music and make sense, this rhyme's fit. I guess it's the fact that you can't be artistic, intricate raps becoming so simplistic. I got a strong mind, it doesn't have to be spoon-fed, and I can read or doesn't have to be read. So some stay illiterate and feeble, legally licked, you go the ways of the weasel. The weasel. Well, in case there was any doubt, the video features Henry Rollins playing Vanilla Ice and getting a beatdown. Yeah. You talking to Henry Rollins as in Black Flag mm-hmm. and Rollins Band, Henry Rollins? Yeah, that's the one. Wow. Yeah, look, I wouldn't lie to you, but, but Henry might. You know what? <laughs> Let's have a listen to one of the Rollins Band's biggest hits, the 1994 track, Liar. Good segue, buddy. Good segue. Thanks, man. I'm perfect in every way. So I make you feel so love these strong, lyrics. So <laughs> he just gets me. Have you seen the video? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So <laughs> but your ego obscures reality and you never bother to ultimate bait and switch. <laughs> you want to know why? Why? Tell him. I would love to see this live. Oh, yeah. Live must have been impressive. That definitely got angry real quick, (laughs) right? And Henry isn't the only one with authenticity problems. Pop Goes the Weasel takes umbrage with artists stealing samples and not paying homage to the original creators. You know, it's amazing how relevant this is today. I feel like we're immersed completely in an era of sampled music and copycat sounds. Very few artists are creating new music from scratch and instead beginning the creative process with a previously recorded song or sample. Yeah, it was a lot easier back in the day for artists to clear samples without breaking the bank. I mean, can you imagine the price tag for the rights on the samples used just in this song alone, right? So Justin Pop Goes the Weasel, and we're talking, what, The Who, Peter Gabriel, Stevie Wonder, The JBs, and even Disneyland Records. Wow. Wouldn't make money on this track at all. They have to sell their homes probably. (laughs) Yeah, just to pay for it. But, you know, one thing, let me say this. This is one major difference between music now, today, yeah. and music from back in the day. We're using just, you know, we're, we're finding a, a hit sample, and we're just going to ride that out one hit sample, right? Right. Back in the day, cats were actually putting together a patchwork of stuff that made music— And use it in interesting ways, but using they an also have a way. little bit more leeway to do that. Exactly. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's take a listen to some of the samples you just mentioned. First is the sample of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer that runs underneath the chorus of Pop Goes the Weasel. Here's the original. 
Which you can see why they lifted it. It's such a clean thing to, oh, so to clean. work off of, right? Please, absolutely. Go to. <laughs> All right, and here's how third base used it in Pop Goes the Weasel. So next up is The Who's Eminence Front, one of my favorite tracks that was released from the band after the passing of Keith Moon. I love the heavily reverbed drums and the bass stylings of John Entwistle. Let's have a listen. Good driving song, too. Yeah, that's nice. So I'm sure it's no coincidence that Third Base chose to sample this track in particular. Besides being a great song, the lyrics talk about people being fake and hiding behind Eminence Front, which is exactly what Pop Goes the Weasel is also talking about. So it all makes sense to me. Yep. Let's hear how they took the guitar lick from Eminence Front and used it in Pop Goes the Weasel. Tuck it back in there, but it's so, so nice under there. That's crazy. So they continue the musical and verbal connections with their sample of the Stevie Wonder track, You Haven't Done Nothing. First, anytime we can listen to Stevie, let's take that opportunity. Please. Thank you. It's just so good. Come on, sing it, Steve. <laughs> and now let's hear how third bass tucked it into the end of Pop Goes the Weasel. This was ingenious. Just putting on the end there, I, I yeah. love that. Just that little pieces part. Which again, thematically, I just think it's one of those things. It's like, oh, well done on you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were thinking. So speaking of tucking in a sample, here's another quick snippet from Pop Goes the Weasel. Just that little, that little blurb right there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's from Fred Wesley and the JB's 1974 track, Damn Right, I'm Somebody. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Let's listen to Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Let's listen to that. Stanky. It does. Gas face right here. <laughs> <laughs> Wish they'd used a little bit more than that little. I cut, know, but, me too, me but too. It was cool. So that's obviously it's a great track from a classic funk album. And speaking of classic, let's go way back in the day now, all the way to 1852, and sing along to the original Pop Goes the Weasel. You mean to tell me you have the original 1852 recording? Um, well, actually, no. This is the <laughs> okay. This is the '61 version from Disneyland Records, which okay. is what third base. Same, yeah. Thank you. I I see you're going all Henry Rollins on oh, me right man. now. No <laughs> liar, <laughs> or Jim Carrey on me right now. Yeah, liar, liar. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's give it a spin. Let's all sing a song. 
What would you like to sing? Farmer in the Dow. Farmer in the Dow. That's a good idea, Bobby. Love that kid. Let's all sing. Good job, Bob Bobby. Bob the Weasel. <laughs> Why don't you pick Bobby's song? Exactly. <laughs> I'm an Elliot Farmer in the Dow, exactly. man. Listen to Elliot. Yeah, when that when, I know. <laughs> when that bass doesn't kick in, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. With so many epic songs that were sampled for Pop Goes the Weasel, it's easy to see how third bass turned it into a mega hit. This hit number one on the Hot Rap Songs charts in 1991, and it even went to number 29 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's listed at number 70 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of Hip Hop, and the strength of this single propelled the album Derelicts of Dialect to gold record status. So as you might imagine, Vanilla Ice was not too thrilled with the treatment he received on the track. And I don't blame yeah, him. I don't, he I literally be got either. beat up. Yeah, right. right. So he came back in 94 with a song called The Wrath. Now let's hear that. Pop goes a weasel was a big for flop flop. The president like your record because it wasn't your pop pop. But this ain't a disc. Mm. It wasn't a flop. It went to number one, buddy. Do, do your homework. <laughs> Fake news right there. It was <laughs> 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 alternate facts. <laughs> All right, so to whatever happened to third base? Two albums, both went gold. Did they keep making hits? No, sadly. They that was did it, not. huh? That was it. No more albums. So Pete Nice, whose real name is Peter Nash, went full bore into his baseball memorabilia collecting. DJ Richie Rich left the music industry altogether, and it looks like MC Search ended up hosting the VH1 reality show, The White Rapper Show. Yep, but not before he launched a solo career with his 1992 album, Return of the Product. The single, Here It Comes, hit number one on the Hot Rap Tracks chart. Let's give it a spin. This was my song. Yeah, I remember remember watching the video for this a lot. Love this track. I, you know, I like it because he, he likes to dance a lot. He does, and he's he got li- some flack for he's that. Got some, he, well, he's got some moves. He, he likes to dance. I always like that. Like, man, go ahead. I would not look at him and say, dancer, right? <laughs> right. I wouldn't look at him no. and say that, but I loved it. So another hit from that album, Back to the Grill, featured Chub Rock, Sam Barnes, a.k.a. Tone from hip-hop production duo The Trackmasters, and a young rapper by the name of Nas. Man, this has all the makings of hit in it. I mean, uh, right? <laughs> track Put masters, all those people together. Chub Rock, Ooh. and Nas. Yeah. All right, we're, we're going to listen to this. Let's do it. Well, hello, but someone like to thank MC Search. Show your chill for making me part of history, kicking them in the Vanessa, keep a check nine in my dresser. Liverpool professor, keep you under pressure. Mind like a computer, the inserter. Paragraphs of murder, the nightclub flirter. This is Nas, kid. You know how it runs. So, Search was executive producer of Nas's acclaimed debut, Illmatic, in 1994, right? (laughs) And that is not the only act that Search had a hand in breaking. Tobe, I know, personally, you are a big fan of the New York group Nonfiction, and Search was the one who put them together. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're a fan, and then let's spin a track that you're particularly fond of. So... Back in the day, if you rhymed over pretty samples laced with hard beats and conspiracy theory lyrics. Oh, conspiracy theory. Yes. Then yeah. that, that's you like, were in it. That's my alley. Okay. Right? That's my lane. 
And there was a local hip-hop radio show called The Butters that would play some stuff you might not hear normally. And nonfiction was, you know, their songs were certainly in rotation from time to time. They're the perfect mix of obscure samples, hard beats, good rhyming skills. And their debut album, The Future Is Now, was released in 2002. And to this day, it still is one of my personal favorites of all times. I could literally listen to this album at any time. One of the reasons why this album stood out was just due to production. The credits belong to DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Large Professor, Beat Nuts, and Necro, who just happens to be the brother of nonfiction member Ill Bill. Uh, you just know with those guys yeah. listening to the credits, it's, it's going to have some hits on it. It's a on. good one. So here's one of the early singles from that album. It's a track called Black Helicopters, and it was produced by Necro. Initial perception quickens my heart rate. This dark place, planet Earth, orbits one star. I've come from a far, far away state of mind. Open up your third eye. Black helicopters in the sky. I need cheese so I can jet easier. My crib's Definitely conspiracy theory stuff yeah, going on here. You ought to see him live. I'm a little scared now. They were at the grog shop, and they killed it. Yeah, nice. Loved it. All right, well, we've touched on so many monster artists in this episode that, honestly, I don't think we can do any of them justice in our bonus material. So we're going to have to hone in on something specific just so my brain doesn't explode, if you don't mind. Yep. So you brought up the legendary drummer and vocalist Phil Collins earlier in the show, and we briefly mentioned Little Kim's cover of his track, In the Air Tonight, in a previous episode. That song has been sampled by so many artists. What do you say we just give a listen to some of them? Man, that sounds like fun. I'm going to do the intro, and here's Meek Mill and the intro of his 2018 album, Championships. Yeah. We in the championships. We in the championships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the first round. Not the first round. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the way in the championships. Philly. Champions of the United States. Of the United States, Toby. <laughs> All right, so I've got another one for you. This one from your man DMX and his 98 track, I Can Feel It. Let's do it. Sometimes, sometimes you just know. You just know, that's all. I can feel it coming in the air. I don't remember this. It's all right. I thought they added some, some, some other elements. Mm, in they did, they did. I like how they got another vocalist on it, too. I thought that was that's a nice mm -hmm. little touch. So, uh, well, I can definitely feel it, too. And kind of like these guys from across the pond, Mike Lowry and 2016 hit, Oh Lord. Let's take a listen to that. There's just way too many temptations, oh Lord. I can feel it coming in the air tonight, oh Lord. When the rhythm hits, I'm not afraid to I have to say this. Did you know that the lyric was Oh Lord? No. This was when I was researching this, I was like, is it Oh Lord? Did these guys get it wrong? Because I always thought Phil was British. I thought it was <laughs> he was dropping the H and he was saying like old on, you know, oh, like when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. And so I just never but then I looked it up and apparently it was Oh Lord. So my bad. And speaking of Tamanda Green, if you don't know what that is, go mm. back and listen to one of our first episodes. That's right. Preach. Speaking of Lord, she actually used that iconic drum fill from In the Air Tonight on her 2017 track, Loveless. Let's just hear that little snippet. What is this tape? This is my favorite tape. It's amazing how everyone can recognize that fill right sure. there. No yeah. matter how what you do to it to make the sound different. 
Right, and I, I keep on having visions of seeing Mike Tyson <laughs> do the air drum and then the magic punch, the right. uh, the little Mac punch out. I think all Mike's punches are magic. <laughs> you're but, right. Uh, you're absolutely yeah, right. You know, just the thought of that leaves me with a bad hangover, my friend. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I think we might have reached a moment of truth here. Or at least Cuban Link did when he cut this 2008 diss track with Remy Ma and Triple Sace. Let's listen to Moment of Truth. I've seen your face before, my friend. Huh. I like the way they end this chorus, though. Or whatever this is, verse. I haven't heard this one either. Go ahead, boy. Isn't that nice? So I had a moment of truth. Oh, late on me. Okay, and it involves my man, Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, was That's it right. that he's... Look, he's a Hall of Fame baller, I'll give you that, but... Not quite so legendary. Oh on the mic. man, come on now. We're talking about Shaq Fu. Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's listen to exactly. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Let's listen to Edge of Night from his 1996 release. You can't stop the rain. So this brings up an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Pound for pound, who is the best combined athlete artist? Listeners, hit us up on social and tell us your thoughts. Off the top of my head, I would have to go with Wayman Tisdale, May He Rest in Peace, mm, mm. which is also the name of Joe Budden's 2003 track, Let's listen to Rest in Peace. That's all right. Well, here's another track from someone that's left us way too soon. Let's listen to Tupac staring through my rear view. To the end, my friend, I'm seeing nothing but my dreams coming true. But I'm staring at the world through my rear view. There's so much air and room on that Phil Collins track, you can do so much with it. All right, finally, let's bring it full circle and connect it to our first featured track, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Fifth Harmony actually had a platinum-selling hit of the same name, and it features that drum fill from In the Air Tonight. That's nuts. I know, and it's just, again, it's just kind of tucked in there, but let's listen to Sledgehammer. What kind of research are you doing? <laughs> There it is. Oh, my God. Look at that. Connecting dots, baby. That's what we do here. Well done, man. Well done. Thank you, sir. Well, I also want to clear up a common misconception while we're at it. So you mean the whole Phil Collins saw somebody drown bed and that that's mm. what In the Air Tonight was actually written about? And, you know, that's been debunked by Phil numerous times. And he said that song was, was written as a kind of like a stream of consciousness yeah. while he was going through his divorce and whatnot. Right. You're talking about that, right? uh, No. I mean, thanks for clearing that up. But but no, there's actually something else I kind of wanted to set the record straight Okay, hit me. Hit me. Well, Phil Collins and Bootsy Collins are not related. Wow. Here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> case you're I was, wondering. <laughs> I was wondering if we were ever going to get a Bootsy reference in here. Thanks for taking care of that, partner. I appreciate oh, my it. My pleasure. My ple- well, we are about done with this episode. What all did we cover? So our first feature track was Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, and our next feature track was Pop Goes the Weasel by Third Base. So then we had to listen to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins and a few of the numerous songs that have sampled it. Good stuff. So what do we have lined up for our next episode? I'm so glad that you asked. Our next episode was actually recommended by one of our listeners. We're going to take a listen to how a crafty band from Germany influenced a whole generation of hip-hop. Well, I will be sure to get my sprockets dance ready. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, please connect with us on social, and you can tweet the show at at Riffs on Riffs Yo, or find us on Instagram at Riffs on Riffs. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me at Haiku575, spelled H-E-I-K-U, and connect with Joe at Sun O Watts. Well, we definitely love hearing from our listeners. And until next time, we're going to take you out with a recent Peter Gabriel track called The Veil, which he, you know, this one is kind of a cons- back to your conspiracy theory stuff, mm. so this will fit right in. This was written and produced for the Oliver Stone film Snowden. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, and we'll catch you next time on Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcast. Special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Julie Fink. And audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. Peace. Exactly who's looking on. There's no safe place to go. Now you've left that This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.